Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone and thank you for uh, attending our next podcast, which I think you'll find interesting. At least I I do. And uh, that's going to be about the last three podcasts we've done. There was a lot of interesting points that were brought up. And sometimes what you want to hear is not necessarily talked about. It's just glanced over. So We've gotten some questions that have come in specifically to talk a little bit about each one. And what we're going to do is we're going to start out with uh, Walker Ramsey's. And if you remember, Walker was the baseball player whose whole life was wrapped around baseball from the age of three. And he talked a lot about how much he learned from failure. And I thought that was rather odd because if you think about it, Failure in school, if you, if you only get seven right, or excuse me, three right out of ten, you fail. But in baseball, if you get hit three out of ten, you're a contender for the Hall of Fame. It's a huge difference. But one of the questions that came up is, what do you mean by failure just being a word? Because I think that came up in the podcast, that failure is just a word. Well, If you think about it for a minute, words are very powerful, and we think with words. Words create pictures. If I say banana, most of you didn't have an avocado come to mind. So you recognize that that word will trigger a picture. Well, interestingly enough, that picture then creates an emotion. And most of us, not most of us, all of us are very emotional creatures. We're always feeling a certain way about something. And then we talk to ourselves about the feeling and reiterate what we have been dealing with. And that generally, in a lot of cases, if it's negative, becomes what we call an obstacle or failure. And so what do I mean by it's just a word? Well, what we learned from Walker is that he looked at failure differently. So in other words, he didn't look at it as the end. He looked at it as that didn't work. And as a pitcher, he realized that, well, throwing it like that, releasing it like that to that guy is going to create a home run. And that certainly is not a win in my mind because that's not what I'm up here to do. I'm up here to put these people out. Did he like it when they hit those? Absolutely not. But he used it as a trigger to be a learning experience. What can I take away from that? And that's what separates people from those who have a wonderful life of joy and prosperity doesn't mean that they don't have bad things happen because it happens to all of us. But the difference is is how they talk to themselves about what happens. And that keeps you in the game. That keeps you, if you will, continuing to hit the balls that are being thrown at you. And those balls that are being thrown at us are the things that happen in our life moment by moment. You know, as we found out, too, it's, it doesn't mean that you have all the answers now, because one of the things Walker shared is, is that he is continuing to find ways of dealing with that life's up and downs, and that sometimes those downs can be 
pretty deep, and sometimes they can be just little divots in the, in the fairway, if you will. But the difference, again, is how much time do we spend there? And do we spend time on, oh, man, I can't believe that happened to me. Can you believe what's going on in the world right now? Oh, my God, we just get back to getting out there again, and then, wham, we're hit with something else comes up. That's a lot of our population thinking that way. And unfortunately, what happens, they're just victims. They can't do anything about it. And if they do something about it, they generally come from anger. And you generally never win coming from anger because you're really not thinking anyway. You're just responding to a very intense emotion. So one of the things I'd like you to think about is, is how do you get through these elements? How do you continue to go up and pitch even though the last three guys you've put on base? And for those of you that don't understand that analogy about baseball, as a pitcher, you want people to get out. You want to strike them out if you can, or you want to throw a ball to them that if they hit, it's going to hit the ground and one of your fielders are going to throw it to first and you got them. You don't want to fill the bases. And that's what happens to us in life is when we don't resolve things, we're filling our own bases. We have all these undone things out there. And if you ever even imagine what it's like to be a pitcher, your mind can be more on that guy on second base and is he going to try to take third than how do I strike this guy out? And all you do is momentarily allow yourself to think about that And while you're thrown to third, that guy from first is running to second. And now what you didn't want to have happen is happening. Now, this is where it's a very important element about what Walker was sharing with us. What are you focusing on? That is the key. If you're focusing on not what's right in front of you right now, which is you listening to this podcast then other things are starting to enter your mind. And when you let other things enter your mind, you're not listening any longer. And you don't see or hear what actually is right in front of you. And that's something that I took away listening to Walker was that I was not looking at failure like he was. And with all the knowledge and education I have, I should know better. Well, If that's all it took was knowing better, all of us would be accomplishing everything in our lives. But welcome to the human race. We're prone to imperfection. We make mistakes. But the difference between high performers and those that get up in the morning is they've got a vision. And not only do they have a vision, they've got a purpose. And a purpose is the reason why you do what you do in life. Vision is what you want to accomplish as a result of it. Visions, they can change. Purpose always stays the same. You know, for instance, my purpose is to feel valued, loved, and inspired because I look for the best in others articulate it, which brings out the best in myself. 
And that helps going into my vision. And my vision is to raise the self-esteem in the human race one person at a time. So when I'm focused on that and something bad happens, that's a learning for me. Because I'm not going to let go of my purpose and I'm not going to let go of my vision. And that's so important that we stand for something. Because if you all heard, if we don't choose what we stand for, then we'll fall for everything. And there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of people that would like to get our attention. Now, how powerful is the way we think about ourselves and the way we feel ourselves? And if you think about the word self, word self-image, self is needless to say about you, and image is the picture that you have of yourself. And I want to tell you a story about how powerful self-image is because I want to make sure that you have a very high opinion of yourself. Not to the point of arrogance where you got to tell everybody, but just that you really feel good about you with your strengths and your weaknesses. And you can't feel good about you, guess what, if you're focused on what? Absolutely, your weaknesses. Because then that's all that you can think about. And that's the guy on second and the guy on first. And the next thing you know, you either walk the next guy. Now you got pressure on yourself because the bases are loaded. You got your whole team counting on you. What's your self-esteem right now? Are you the guy that can handle this? Are you the guy that's going to strike the next one out? Or are you doubting yourself? And doubt is dangerous. You got to be careful not to open that door. So let me tell you about I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you the guy's real name, but years ago, I was teaching school, and it was a group of seventh graders, and it was English. And I had done a, a paper, had the kids do a paper on ideas. And all it was about was just take an idea that you have and sh- share it with the rest of us. And so I wasn't worried about grammar and I wasn't worried about sentence construction or you know anything else I was just wanted to wanted to see how they articulated the idea so I gave the grades out and um, that afternoon after class was over and I'm getting ready to go home a young boy at the knocks on the door and he says Mr. Olson can I talk to you for a minute I go yeah and I go what's on your mind he said um there's something wrong with this paper. And I said, well, what's that? And he says, well, you gave me an A. And I said, well, let me take a look at it. And I said, no, I didn't give you an A. I said, you deserve an A. And he goes, well, I've never gotten an A before. And I said, well, congratulations. Welcome to your first A. He looked at me. He looked at that. He walked about four steps towards the door, turned around, tore the paper up in front of me and put it in the garbage and left the room. What just happened? Things are going to happen to us in life that our self-esteem won't allow us to accept. Whether it's a compliment from somebody, whether it's a, hey, you were magnificent, and, or whatever it may be, If we don't have a high opinion of ourselves, like this young man didn't, and even though he deserved the A because his idea was amazing, 
He couldn't allow himself to accept it. He couldn't change his mind about himself. Now, what had happened to that young man up to that point in his life is another story. But guess what opinion it had formed in his mind at the age of 12? I mean, that, my friends, is something that has happened to every one of us, and we all have a story that we can tell which may not have been in our best interest, but we need to stop telling it to ourselves. We need to start recognizing that that was then, this is now. How do I choose to show up in this moment? So thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about what we learned from Mr. Ramsey, and there was so much more information about that. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to take us to the interview that we had with um, Tori Colley. Tori Colley, if you remember, was having challenges in interviews. And no matter how hard she tried, it just didn't seem to work out because it wasn't about not being prepared. I mean, she knew her material really well and she knew why individuals would want to hire her. Uh, yet, as you remember from the podcast, what ultimately took place is she'd start doubting herself. And as soon as she started doubting herself, she wasn't able to perform to be in the best version of herself. So she'd end up losing the job. Well, once we sat down and talked about it, she had the opportunity to think differently. And this is what I want you to think about. Apernio, our company name, is a hybrid of two terms. The aperture of a camera is how the image gets in to be able to record what it is the camera sees. Same thing with our eyes. And then the, um, and then the fact that we look at things differently that's called new, and um, neo in Latin is new. So a pernio is looking at things in a new way. And so what I'd like you to think in terms of as we talk about Tori is I want you to start looking at the same differently. We get up in the morning, we're ready to roll, but is it just another morning? And, and rolling just being another routine that we jump into. And the next thing is we're doing lunch, and we do lunch how we ever do lunch unless we're doing it with somebody else. We generally have a routine of what we eat and how much we eat, and then we roll home, and then, you know, we have a routine about the evening. And, well, all of these routines are very, very practical and what our brain is definitely in love with because routine is predictable. And the brain loves predictability. That's why for all of the things we've been going through lately in our society, um, you can imagine how it's driving people crazy because it's unpredictable. And then as soon as we start to get some predictability, well, this phase will be doing this and this phase will be doing that, something else happens. And all of a sudden, everything we've now set ourselves up to acquire is unavailable, which requires us to what? If we're paying attention and if we're learning, we realize we need to look at the same differently. So let's take Tori's doubt, for instance. I want you to ask yourself this question the next time you doubt something, and that is, why are you doubting? Okay, ask yourself that question, because when I ask Tori, why are you doubting? 
Is it a lack of preparation? No. Is it a lack of the fact that you don't think you're qualified? No. Do you think there's something physically wrong with you that would keep you from being able to perform the job? No. Well, then what are you doubting? And all she could come up with was, well, I'm really, I guess I'm not doubting anything. I guess I just used that word because I had everything else nailed. Now, if she just said, no, I wasn't prepared, we'd had a conversation about making sure you're prepared the next time it comes up, right? We would take away whatever it was that we had not allowed ourselves to get ready and get it ready for the next time. Because if we can't get it perfect now, we can at least learn from it and be able to get ready for the next time because there will be a next time, okay? We will all get up again in the morning Yes, I understand there'll be some that won't, but those of us who are able to is a brand new opportunity. Now, if you think about it, a good way to deal with overcoming your nerves or dealing with doubt is to start with the end first. Okay, Stephen Covey and his Heaven Habits of Highly Successful People, you know, that was one of his elements, to start with the end first. I mean, know how it's going to go before you begin. And if you can't specifically know how it's going to go, at least ask yourself what kind of an outcome you'd like. And in Tori's case, what kind of an outcome you would you like? She said, I'd like to get the job. All right, what are we going to do that we currently aren't doing? Because if we keep repeating what we've been doing, expecting different results, what did Albert Einstein say we were? Insane. Absolutely. Is you can't keep doing what you're doing and expect anything to be different. That's where you have to cross your fingers and hope that things change. So with that, here's the next thing I'd like you to think about. Tori said, I want the job. Okay, that was the outcome. And if, do you remember this? I said, okay, well, let's imagine that you got the job. What would be the first question that would come to mind? And she'd go, well, I'd want to know what I'm going to be paid. I'd like to know what the culture's about. How do they treat people? What's their leadership style? And I go, okay, and how would you find that out? Well, I'd ask questions about it. And I go, and so let me ask you this. You can ask those questions after you get the job, or you can ask those questions before you get the job. Well, when she got to look at the same differently, she goes, well, of course I'd ask them before, oh, before I get the job. And that made all the difference in the world. In her next interview, she asked all the questions because she realized I'm prepared, but is this where I want to bring my talents and my energy? And she didn't come across as arrogant, but she set herself apart from all the others who were trying to sell themselves to the interviewer. She was interested in the interviewer. She was interested in the company. She asked questions about, what do you like most about working here? Now, what if they couldn't answer her? Is that where you want to take your talents? So that was a very fascinating interview with Tori. And what I wanted you to think in terms of is the next question. She said that, I had asked her, or she had gone to a class, and I had forced her to sing a song. And um, I said, well, remember, Tori, I think it was that uh, you volunteered to sing a song. And then she goes, oh, yeah, that's right. 
but she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to stand up in front of the group and sing a song. And this was a class that I had because one of the questions that came is, what type of class was it? It was a class for um, juniors and seniors in high school to be able to find a little bit more about themselves and how their brain operates so they didn't get caught up in believing everything they hear. Now, don't misunderstand me. Having been an educator myself, we would like to think that our knowledge is going to assist those that are in our classes. What I was talking about was judgments are being made about how smart you are, how stupid you are, whether you're attractive or not attractive, or whether you're athletic or not athletic. Those can make such a big difference in how successful a young mind can be relative to what they feel they're capable of. And then they take that through the rest of their lives. So the class, that's what the class was about, and and, and not to go into more detail than that. But one of the things that I do in that class and in my other programs that I teach is I'll ask the group that, I'll tell the group that in a moment they're going to sing a song. Now, as soon as I say that, words trigger pictures, bring about emotion, and what do you think people start thinking about? Well, high performers start thinking about what song am I going to sing? And most people, though, 90% of people start going, what kind of a singer am I? And all of a sudden... They start to prepare themselves more often than not to go through something they'd rather not do. Now, unfortunately, that's how a lot of people live their lives. And Emerson stated that that's living a quiet life of desperation. That I got to go through this again. I got to go work with those people again. I got to work at this job this again. And you know, and that's not exciting. But the good news is, is you don't have to change your job. You don't have to change the people that are around you. You just simply have to change your mind. But what we've been learning is on the new perspective, we have to look at the same differently. We have to ask ourselves, why do I want to work there? What? How am I going to make a difference in that job? How am I going to make a difference when the conversation goes south? Do I have to participate in it or can I uplift it? And if we just old routine, same old, same old, as you can see, those outcomes aren't going to occur. So when I asked who would like to sing a song before I even asked that question, I said, do you know that every one of you in this room When I said in a moment we're going to sing a song, I sent audio waves through the air. And that flap of skin on the side of your head that you refer to as an ear, it's actually a deflector. And it sent those audio waves and vibrated a small group of bones and got the drum going. And what it did was it changed that audio wave into electrical chemical energy and sent it right into the auditory cortex text of the brain, excuse me, and guess what people got immediately? They got an attitude. Yes. And man, another podcast, I'll tell you that there's only four attitudes, but each one of them got one, and I identified what those were. But to keep it real simple, some people I don't want to, some people I want to. And I asked them, what's it based on, whether you want to do this or not? Is it based on the new opportunity? Is it based on what's possible? Or is it based on all the experience you've had up to this point in your life under the category of singing? 
And everyone in that room had already made their mind up about how well they were going to do, not what was on not what was possible for them, but what had already taken place in their lives. And do you know that attitudes or learned behaviors were not born with them? But do you have any idea what percentage of your performance is based on your attitude? 100%. It does not kind of affect behavior. It dominates it. And I said to those people, has anyone come up and sung yet? And they all said, absolutely not. And I said, well, let me ask you this. How could all of you have an attitude that's going to absolutely determine how you're going to do based on something we haven't even done yet? And they said, well, past experience. I said, exactly. Stored neurologically in the cell of your brain. You weren't even thinking about it until I brought it up. And then it comes up and prepares you for how you're going to do. And that, my friends, is what our brain does 24-7. It keeps preparing us for the next moment. And what I wanted Tori to recognize is make sure you've prepared yourself for the outcome you want not, I hope I'm not nervous this time. Because guess what you're going to be? Your brain's going to help you be nervous. Instead of, she decided, all right, I already got the job. Here's what I want to find out. And that changed everything for her. So now I'd like to share with you some of the things that we learned in, uh, in the interview with David Acock. Dave Acock, as you remember, uh, is a go-getter. Uh, he has got the most positive outlook that you've, you can possibly imagine, but he wasn't always like that. He had to work at that, and he's become a real student of learning. You see, if you and I aren't students of learning, then we have to continue to act through life based on what we already know. And you know, most people, they stop learning after the age of five. Some stop learning after they graduate from high school. Some stop, le stop learning after they... There becomes a point, if you're not an active learner, that you'll ultimately stop learning. And for most people, that doesn't matter because the people you hang around with have stopped learning too. But that's a good support system. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong other than there's really no new learning. When new opportunities present themselves and new things allow you to maybe have more fun than you're currently having or be more prosperous than you're currently being, you're not even open to it. You can't accept it because it doesn't play into what you already know. And unfortunately, that's what's called having your mind already made up. Now, to go beyond that, because you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that's something that you wanted to be comfortable with. As you know, life's too short to get caught up into not allowing yourself to enjoy it with all of its opportunity, no matter what happens. And sometimes the biggest challenges that we face can be the greatest learnings for us. Because here's what happens. You really don't ever know the true character of another human being until you see them in crisis. How do they handle it? I remember one time in school, we were in a very, very boring class in the ninth grade called mechanical drawing. Now, mechanical drawing's not boring, but the teacher had lost interest and was just showing up as doing the same lesson plans they'd done for 30 years. Well, there has a little bit of a, um, 
maverick in our class who decided that he was going to get the teacher's attention. So here we're in a classroom with a concrete floor, and these are metal desks. And as you can, if those of you are aware of these mechanical drawing, you stood up and worked on them. Well, it was a pretty boring day. All of a sudden, he knocks his desk over. And everything flies off of it. The sound that it made flying across the concrete was almost like putting your fingernails on the chalkboard and rubbing them down there. You know, it just kind of like does this weird thing inside of your body. And everybody in the room was silent. Greatest opportunity that was ever presented to that teacher. Because what do you think the kids were waiting to do? Right. They were waiting to see how he was going to react. And he missed the opportunity. Because instead of going, well, I can see that uh, one of you is a little distracted today. Or, or does somebody have a question? I think that, you know, I got kind of dazed and confused and wasn't paying attention. But that desk sure got my attention. No. He screamed. He yelled. He threw the kid off to the principal's office. And he identified who he was. And that's what we've all got to recognize. When things go bad, you got to take a little time out and ask yourself, how do I want to present myself? Because that is what people are going to remember the most. Because I'm telling you a story now that happened years and years and years ago. It wasn't about that kid at all. It was about how is the teacher going to react. Now, I bring that up because one of the things we learned in Dave's podcast was here's a guy who was a Marine graduate, uh, had served for five years, and um, had served with valor. He was a he was a he man, if you will, in uh, in that field. He got himself involved in the automotive industry and became a general manager of a multi franchise dealership where he was very very successful. He developed seniority. He had a beautiful package. Uh, his store was outperforming many of the stores and he had a real way with people. People really liked him. They wanted to follow him. They looked up to him. And the reason they did is because he was interested in them. Now, because of that, they wanted to perform more, didn't they? They wanted to exceed his expectation. They didn't want to let him down and, and he had tremendous results. But even with all of this success, there became a point where he realized he wasn't fulfilled. There was something missing. And the difference is he chose to do something about it. So he did one of the most difficult things anybody could do, and that was that he ended the career. He ended it gracefully. People had time to find someone new and everything else. But then it was, what do I want to do to make sure I'm available to my children? And that what has really gotten his attention was the fact that this career and his success required being there. And being there meant he wasn't somewhere else. And that somewhere else was something that he realized, I need to be there. And that was with his children. Now, not all of us are able to make that kind of decision. So I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm just saying that this is what caused him to make the transition because it wasn't so much about the fact that he was leaving it that I found interesting. It was, was how did he transition? 
And what he did was he'd done, done his due diligence and had a little bit of a bankroll to be able to not have to work for a while while he dabbled in other things and became very successful in other adventures that he tried. But ultimately, one of the things that when I asked him, what do you, why did that work well for you? Why were you able to make that transition? He said, because I, I knew that what was more important to me was the type of father I was going to be thought of with my children than what kind of general manager I was going to be thought of to my people. And I knew that I would always have the respect of my people, but I wasn't going to be able to go back and redo the times that I wasn't with my children. And so fortunately, he got to make that decision and he made the transition. And one of the things that I caught most that I wanted to spend a little time talking to you about is, is that he was really purpose-driven. And when you're purpose-driven, you wake up in the morning, as we all do, and some of us continue the thinking that was going on in the dream. You know, we're still kind of coming out of the dream, and maybe the dream was more important or more exciting than what we were going to do that day. And sometimes for some people, that transition, not from a job to another job, not from a relationship to another relationship, but from a mindset to another mindset. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about. Transitioning from, oh my God, I was flying in that dream. I was, I was the star in that dream or whatever. And then, oh now I got to get up and I got to, whoo, time out. That's not allowing yourself to be driven on purpose. Because no matter whether it was a nightmare or one of the best dreams of your life, you're awake now. And only when you're awake are you able to do anything about your life. Are you able to learn how to fly? Are you able to learn how to progress in your life so these things that are so important to you and so fanciful in your dream become a reality? And to do that, you got to make sure that something changes. Otherwise, you'll slip right into the routine. You'll say, oh, that was just a dream. Okay, I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to put on a happy face. I'm going to try to do everything I can to get through the day and, and make it really wonderful. Now, do you think there's any danger of doing that when you do that? You're not, and let me tell you why, because that's not truly how you believe. You wouldn't be saying those things if you weren't already not looking forward to your day. You're just saying that to pump yourself up. And that doesn't, and, and what I want you to think of, I heard this great, term for this is it doesn't matter what you're trying to do what's what thought is sponsoring that try and it's the sponsoring thought is the thought that really you're going to manifest in your day for instance one of the things that I have found to be very valuable if you want to develop yourself is to pick 10 qualities and characteristics that you would like to manifest in your life. In other words, you would like to become a part of your life. Let's say one of them is acceptance. Okay? So what I'm going to ask you to do is what you do when you wake up in the morning is you look at acceptance. Okay, I'm going to be accepting all day long. 
acceptance is going to become my filter system. So you're driving to work and you see something that you don't like, or you start becoming judgmental of someone's behavior. Great opportunity to now be what? Accepting. You see, if you hadn't chose to be accepting, then you'd be judgmental, wouldn't you? And you know, if you're judgmental too long, you really don't appreciate yourself as much as you do when you're accepting. Or you wouldn't have come up with acceptance, would you? But our brain won't change unless we change our brain. Our brain is, be, is all developed upon our thought process, our thinking, the words that we use 24-7. In psycholinguistics, the power that language has over our behavior, okay, is called self-talk. Now, in my workings, in my, my, the books that I've written and the programs that I put on, I call it rocks talk because every thought is a rock. It registers one experience neurologically in your brain. So R-O-X. I took a little poetic license with experience and made it R-O-X. So every time you think you drop a rock, well, if you take a look at an, uh, that old Jack and Jill went up the hill, right? And they have the two buckets in each hand. Well, when we're born, the buckets are empty. We really don't have any attitudes, do we? But then when we spit up spinach or we got a friend that threw up from having spinach, we don't even have to taste it. You know, I mean, I've talked to a four-year-old one time and says, why don't you like spinach? And they said, well, a friend of mine had it and they threw up. So sometimes we don't even have to try things. You know what they've said? That 90% of what we know we've never experienced. We read it somewhere. We saw it. We, okay. But it's the experience that makes it real. And in another podcast, we'll talk about the difference between actually experiencing it and imagining it and how powerful imagination is because when you said what do I want to grow into and you picked acceptance that was an imagining wasn't it but now when you're about to judge that person because you don't like how they look or what they're wearing or how much they weigh or whatever it may be you go whoa whoa wait a minute I'm accepting I'm accepting of others and if you've done this for a week or so love might be one of those things too so now you're saying, I love that person, and I'm accepting of them. Now, here's the difference. Do you think you're hurting that person who's about 30 feet away from you walking across the street by being judgmental? Or do you think you're hurting yourself? And why, if we had a choice, would any of us ever want to hurt ourselves, the person that we're going to go through life with, the person that we're going to be with 24-7, the person we listen to all day long. So back to Dave Acock, and then I'm going to wrap this up and I thank you so much for listening is I want to talk about something that they say is the number one goal of mankind and that is happiness. Let's say you don't get a college degree so you can put it on your wall. You get a college degree because of how it makes you feel. You know, you don't just get the paycheck and never cash it and say, I got a paycheck. But it's what you can do with the money. It's always the outcome. Whether you know it or not, you're all vision-driven. We all are. There's a reason behind the reason we do everything. And if we're not directing our own lives, they aren't our own reasons. Right? 
That kid didn't taste spinach to make his mind up. He had a friend that tried it, and he threw up. So being an intelligent human being, if it makes you throw up, I'm not going to throw up. That's an unpleasant experience. So here's what I want you to think about. What makes you happy? I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, when I'm working with different individuals and I ask that question, you know, that well, being with my kids makes me happy. Well, how come? Well, I love them. And then, okay, and I like playing with them. Or golfing makes me happy. Or making dinner makes me, whatever it may be, think about it, okay? Now, is there anything you do that, that doesn't make you happy? Or any experiences you have that don't make you happy? Well, and people can certainly come up with those, paying taxes or... You know, having to do the speed limit or going to the dentist, excuse me, dentist out there. But whatever it may be, a lot of people have those. Now, I'm going to share something very powerful with all of you, and that's this. 95% of people believe that happiness is an outcome. Because of this and that, I'm happy. And they live a once I and as soon as kind of life. Once that happens and that happens, then I'll be happy. But I certainly can't be happy when? Now. Because those things aren't happening. Now, here's how I want to wrap this thing up. And we'll spend more time on this in other podcasts. I want you to think about this for a minute. Who chose acceptance? to be on the list of what you want to manifest in your life. You did, didn't you? Because I just gave the example to pick 10 things and then work on one for three days until it becomes a part of who you are. And ultimately, after a while, you'll have manifested all 10, and then you're ready for 10 more. But it became a filter, didn't it? And, And then you saw opportunities all through the day because you what? You chose acceptance. Now I'm going to throw this at you, and I want you to think about this for the next few moments, hours, days, weeks, because you can get really good at this too. Happiness is a choice. High-performance people choose to be happy, and then they bring it to every experience. Isn't that interesting? Even when it's crummy, they recognize that I've got more likelihood of making this into a wonderful scenario for that individual that's suffering right now or for myself if I come from what? Happiness. I challenge all of you and I challenge myself to make sure that since we're going to think anyway, that we're careful on what we choose to think about and that we get on purpose and choose those things we want to incorporate into our lives by writing them down And then just picking one and going through it for three days. And don't even intellectualize this. Don't even sit back and imagine, yeah, I could see where that would really make a difference. Uh That's what a lot of people do in their lives is they intellectualize what could be and never put it into practice. And it's the repetition, isn't it, that ultimately becomes the habit. And pretty soon, just like habits, we don't even have to think about it. All somebody has to say in a moment, you're going to sing a song and you already got your mind made up to either enjoy it or not. And that's the difference in life. So thank you all for the time that we've spent today. And I look forward to our next opportunity, um, which in a moment, you're going to hear what's coming up next. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
In our next episode, learn about how Jim Jackson's success stems primarily from his unrelenting belief in himself while looking for the best in others. His many stories and insights show us how he was able to overcome and learn from any obstacle in his life and the importance that vision plays in achieving success. His lighthearted approach to life's problems and the power of his own self-confidence underscores the principle, define yourself or others will.